Olivia Wilson and welcome to ThoughtShare, a safe space to share your thoughts on topics that matter to you. With all the news focused on coronavirus, I wanted to look at how it was impacting the climate crisis, so close to when the campaigns were starting to make a real headway. So has it been forgotten about? And do Extinction Rebellions have plans to emerge once the pandemic is over? And what impact has the health crisis had on the environment? Well, join me now is Extinction Rebellion member, Lauren Beachy. Uh, welcome to the Thought Share podcast. Well, I think I'll just go right into it, I suppose. So I want to take you back to 2019, heck, early 2020, right? Before the pandemic really kind of flipped our world upside down. Um, so the environment, that was a huge uh, point of conversation uh, before the pandemic happened. It was really making waves in, in public discourse, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It was gaining a lot of traction, especially sort of with Extinction Rebellion. There was a lot of activism that was happening and people were getting very caught up in the conversation. Everybody had opinions and it was very much dominant in the news cycles. Um, And even at the beginning of the pandemic, I think there was quite a lot of talk about the environment. There were lots of news stories about the impact of people not flying, people not driving to work. What was that going to have on on the environment, on air quality, air pollution particularly, um, that has very much sort of died away now, I think. Yeah. Um, and so it's really important to get this back into the mainstream conversation because <laughs> the climate crisis hasn't gone anywhere. It's still very much a pressing issue. The icebergs are still melting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting as well because at the peak of the conversation when it was really making headway, the environment, environmentalists and a lot of climate activists saying we need to, to make a difference, you know, to get to our target for 2030, I think it was, we need to just mm-hmm. stop travel altogether. We need to halt. We need to just stop using cars. We need to do all of this. And we were all there saying that is impossible. No way can we do that. And then a mere month later, the pandemic hits flight you know people aren't flying anymore you know people are working from home there are no cars on the road what did you make of all this do you take me back to that time you know when we were having those conversations when it was actually starting to really pick up and and become part of our news agenda and then when the pandemic hit tell me about the lead up to that and then what subsequently happened after yeah well I think and a really important point that I think often gets lost in the noise around this issue is the fact that XR and most climate activists are not calling for massive changes to everyday people's lives. We're talking about the 1%, this tiny, tiny fraction of the population who are responsible for the vast majority of carbon emissions because they fly across the world multiple times a year for business meetings and conferences and holidays. We're not asking an individual family to not have their one summer holiday a year to not take flights. We're saying to the people that take 10, 15 flights a year, that needs to stop. And with this pandemic, that is the vast majority of the travel that has been curtailed. People are realising that actually I don't need to fly to New York for a business meeting when I can do it on Zoom from my home. You know, that is the change that has been happening. And I think that is something that needs to be sustained into the next five, 10 years in order to make these lasting changes that we need to protect the environment. And 
I hope that what we're seeing is when businesses restructure the way that they work, they realise that it is entirely plausible, entirely possible to have these much more sustainable practices going on. And that is going to make a huge impact on the future of our, our society and the way that we function. And it's going to hopefully make a lasting difference. Um, so that was my initial reaction is that actually the, the people who are most responsible for this are the people that have been affected the most in terms of the, the alterations to their lives. And that, I think, is the biggest difference. I mean, what do you make of, you know, the response? Because I think at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a lot of, um, I suppose, like there was a lot of tentativeness and there was a lot of resistance to what, particularly Extinction Rebellion were saying, um, particularly just what environmentalists were saying. And the, and the idea, I think it was, you know, we have 12 years, that was that was the figure, you know, going around to save the planet or we basically lost kind of any control over the situation. And it was met with a lot of resistance, but not just from members of the public, perhaps, but with a lot of people in power saying, you know, economically it wasn't viable, logistically it wasn't viable, politically it wasn't viable. But then it, what, it's taken a global pandemic for it to literally overnight make a difference. I mean, were you frustrated? Were you angry? Were you exasperated? Were you not surprised? I mean, what was your thought there? It, it is frustrating. I think a lot of, it's not just environmental issues, it's social justice issues as well. When people advocate for these big changes, particularly economic changes, and are repeatedly told, you know, it's not possible, you're asking for too much, it's, yeah. it can't be done, it's too quick, it's not possible. And then we've seen with this pandemic how society can transform literally overnight. Suddenly people are working from home and are able to completely switch up their business models to have people doing conferences. Um, seen with the introduction of the furlough scheme, you know, these big economic policies can happen very, very quickly. It's frustrating that these arguments have been shut down but at the same time it's it's probably introduced and they can have a lasting effect how much faith do you have in the fact that the pandemic you know might actually play a role in potential future political policies now then because now you know as you were saying it's really hard to make a huge difference if there aren't political policies in place to, to to push it forward but now the pandemic's happened and actually shown that you know this is possible are you hopeful about the future and about you know future policies and future attitudes and future behavior um i think in terms of policy decisions boris johnson repeatedly claims that he cares about the environment and we yet to we yet to see whether or not that is just lip service to an issue or whether he actually is going to introduce anything <laughs> Mm. I suppose it is early concrete days. that's going to yeah. make a difference there's mm. the climate summit um yeah I mean we've got the climate summit next year now that we've got President Biden in the US who is going to rejoin the climate talks and the Paris climate agreement you know hopefully this means that there might be a shift in terms of global policies yeah. towards economic and environmental justice um but, you know, that being said, none of these big global leaders are particularly liberal champions of progressive policies and none of them have a great track record when it comes to the environment. So I think it's wrong to pin our hopes on sort of individuals who have done absolutely nothing to deserve that in terms of their political history.
Do you think the conversation generally, though, um, in our kind of everyday lives, at least, if maybe not in policy, but perhaps just in our everyday lives, do you think the conversation is, is going to change, you know, surrounding the climate or at least the attitude towards it? I think so. I think um, certainly people are more aware. People are more aware of the individual actions that they take, whether that's taking plastic bags and the amount of packaging that you get in your food shopping or disposable coffee cups, disposable face masks. We've seen a lot of in terms of the coronavirus and the PPE, how much we're throwing away, how much waste is being generated. I think that is something tangible that the public can latch onto and can appreciate and understand. But again, there is this backlash of sort of selfishness that is also being generated through this pandemic. It's a sort of, well, why would I wear a mask? It, it doesn't protect me, it protects other people. You know, I'm going to carry on. I want, I want to see my friends. I want to see my family. So I'm going to carry on doing this and I'm going to do what's best for me and not for the wider public. So I think it's a really important balance that we need to strike in terms of making sure that, you know, people don't feel like, there is this disconnect between environmental issues and their own personal lives because you know every one of us wants a future for this planet and for our future populations and that needs to be preserved and the only way to do that is to take action now mm. and so we need to make sure that people realize there is this connection between the things that you do in your everyday life and the impact that that has on the planet um, another thing is you know people are obviously scared about public transport because of the coronavirus so there is now that people have been allowed back to work and going back into their offices, there are actually more cars on the road than there were before because people are driving into work in their own personal vehicle as opposed to taking public transport. And what is the impact that that's going to have down the line once you know the pandemic is over and everybody's safe from that result? Is there going to be a lasting shift away from public transport, which has taken many, many decades and is one of the most important things that we can do in terms of reducing carbon emissions is increasing public transport and making clean, clean, green public transport available for everybody, affordable for everybody. And if people are becoming overly reliant on cars again, that's a massive, massive shift that we're going to take a long time to come away from. Are you worried that we're going to have to pick up from square one? One main thing that has been the kind of main obstacle within the climate justice movement has been this backlash that was created about we the, the science is disputed and we don't know what the facts are and there was a huge amount of misinformation and people were always trying to work out what was true and what was not and I think that has largely been overcome at the moment I think the broad consensus wherever you are in the world is that the climate science is real the planet is overheating these environmental problems are real and they're not going anyway and they need to be dealt with and i think i don't think that has been that has changed from this pandemic so that large obstacle of just making this a mainstream issue that is not disputed is is going to stay but i think what we are now going to have to contend with is the fact that there has been this pandemic that has massively impacted so many people. People have lost their loved ones, people's livelihoods, people's lives have been completely turned upside down. We're dealing with homelessness crisis as we're dealing with what you said about emotional um, issues. You know, people are exhausted emotionally, physically, mentally. And to try and get people to 
recognize and contend with this massive issue once again is going to be really difficult because people are just tired they want to stop they want to breathe they want to rest for a little bit and it's quite difficult to then you know come up behind people and say well actually no sorry we need you to care one more time about this another issue you know we know that you've been protesting about black lives matter we know that you've been protesting against around the the coronavirus and we know that, <laughs> that you've been dealing with so much and now you know we need you back and you need to put your voice to this fight again um that's going to be quite challenging and i think we need to find a way to make sure that people recognize that yes this is really important but you know we're not asking you to completely upend your life we're just asking um people to push on these issues from from their homes you know it's not you don't need to be out on the streets protesting in extinction rebellion you just need to be writing a letter to your mp you need to be you know switching to slightly more sustainable products in the supermarket and changing the national consciousness once again so that the politicians who are making these decisions and the corporations who are pumping us full of these products know that we care about what is being put out there and know that people want to change there are things we can do from our own homes you know we have the power of technology um, on our side so it's about the small actions it's the small things and i mean speaking of the positive you know kind of hopeful um aspects of this i mean what have been the positive impacts the pandemic's had on the environment because we've seen like for example um you know that there's been clearer water, you know, I think China at one point, their CO2 emission absolutely plummeted. Um, and, you know, there was like, I think less fog or less um, emissions. And I mean, what, what have been the positives that we can at least cling on to and, and you know, spur us on to, to continue to kind of do more and not feel like we've been pushed back by a pandemic by a couple of years? Yeah, I think one of the most staggering differences that has been the amount of consumption has massively been reduced. People are not buying new outfits to go out on a Friday night every single week. People are not rushing to get deliveries on next day Amazon because they don't need it. People are realising that the overconsumption that we have all been being driven towards for the last sort of 30, 40 years is completely unnecessary. And, you know, it's perfectly within our within the realms of possibility to slow down to consume less to be a slightly more restful slower pace um and i think that's really really positive and i think if we can continue with that adjustment um into the future then there's going to be a real hope that the, the, the small subtle change in people's lives can actually have this massive difference things like masks you know has there been an increase in, um, in consumption of plastic or use of plastic because of you know PPE or because of you know mask wearing and you know I see disposable masks lying around on the floor left right and centre these days something I never you know would be used to seeing this time last year is is there a kind of slight negative impact um, to our behaviour uh, towards the pandemic yeah absolutely i think you know the mask and the bpe is a massive issue um everywhere you go you can't walk down the street without seeing a mask on the floor um and even things like takeaway coffee cups you know one of the few things that people are allowed to do at this moment is get a takeaway pint from a pub or a takeaway coffee cup and go for a walk with a friend and so anywhere you go for a walk on a common or a park or something and you know Gosh, public bins are overflowing with yeah. takeaway coffee cups mm -hmm. and you know there had been this massive shift towards 
people bringing their own um, reusable coffee cups and now that's completely changed and it is right that people are making these these differences to make sure that they're being protected and to limit the amount of contact that we have with one another but if that is taken and people are going to become as we were sort of even just a couple of years ago that I think is going to be quite hard to contend with and so we need to make sure that we are still being aware of how damaging this kind of disposable culture throwaway culture that we have been living through is to the planet and making sure that people recognize it once again and you know once the immediate public health issues have been dealt with in terms of the coronavirus pandemic that we can make sure that people are recognizing that actually we need to um, prioritize environmental safety as well. Do you think the pandemic's left a stronger case for the likes of Extinction Rebellion to pick up this conversation again, though? Even if it is an upward struggle, even if they are starting from scratch again, do they have a bit more kind of practical, relatable evidence to you know, push this, this uh, cause forward? I think so. I think you know, it's a difficult balance to strike in terms of when and where and how people are going to start actions once again. You know, the idea of a mass protest, for example, until such time as there is genuine safety in doing so, I think it's unwise to be generating that kind of publicity because it is still dangerous and it is still, you know, putting people's lives at risk by doing that. Mm. Mm. Um, But at the same time, the, the theory behind the mass protest movement and Extinction Rebellion, that hasn't changed. It is still one of the only tactics that we, the population, the public have to achieve lasting political change is protest, demonstration um, and non-violent action. And so, you know, when the time comes that it is safe to do so in terms of public health, I think absolutely we have to get back out out onto the streets. Anybody who feels comfortable and safe doing so um, should be out there and it is still a massive issue and the, you know, the reasons behind it have not gone anywhere. So there's no reason why XR shouldn't get back to the same tactics because they have, they were clearly effective um, in terms of changing the national conversation, in terms of bringing attention to this issue. Um, and, you know, if it weren't for the pandemic, we would have had another year's worth of environmental protest and action that could have, changed laws and policies by now we, we're not we don't know that we can't you know go back and see what would have happened um but i think the tactics remain remain viable and they remain effective it just needs to be balanced with the public health safety of it what do you want people not to forget about the environment you know how long do we have left to make a change you know what, what do we need to know what kind of things can we do what would you what would you like to say i think timelines are potentially not the most effective messaging tool i think saying saying that we have five years or ten years in it there's making that kind of numerical assertion is potentially damaging because it can be disputed people aren't sure some people say 10 years some people will say 20 you know we get bogged down in these nitty gritty 10 years or 20 years the fact is that we need to act and it is the actions that people need to be taking whether they are the small but not by any means insignificant actions in terms of eating more plant-based diets making sustainable choices in the way that you travel um, making sustainable choices in the consumption that you make the products that you consume or whether these are big policy decisions in terms of 
the infrastructure that we as a country are consuming um, and producing, the energy that we are cons- uh, that we are consuming. All of these things still need to be contended with, um, and they still need to be at the forefront of people's people's decision making. Um, and so, you know, saying that there's a ten year timeline is not as important as saying you can do something tomorrow to change the future. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your thoughts on um, environmental crisis at the moment and Extinction Rebellion. It's been um, really great chatting. Um, but that's all for this week. You can get in touch on Twitter and Instagram at ThoughtShare underscore or on Facebook. Just search for ThoughtShare with Olivia Wilson. We'll be back again next Wednesday at the usual time of 6pm. <laughs>